Welcome to the podcast for people turning the great American RV adventure into stressless camping. We're glad you joined our weekly adventure. Now let's gather around the campfire with our hosts, Peggy and Tony Barthel. Well, welcome back to the campfire, everyone. Happy to be back and to see you all here. And we hope that you had a great week. Yeah, And we have some great stuff to talk about this week. At least we think so. Well, great for us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) If we entertain ourselves, we've gotten half the battle. Absolutely. Yep. My name is Tony. My name is Peggy. And this is the Stressless Camping Podcast, which somebody this past weekend at our gathering said, dude, you should say what the name of the podcast is. Oh, well, okay. That was Joe Castile. Hey, Joe. Hi, Joe. (laughs) Thanks for the advice. Yeah, absolutely. We had a little RV gathering this weekend that we organized, and it was uh, a bunch of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We saw a shootout, but it was staged. (laughs) So that was good, and we played dominoes uh, and shared meals and and had a great time. It was fun. As always, I love group camping. I do, too. I like solo camping, but I also like group camping. Do you like boondocking? I do. Oh, <laughs> ooh, that is a masterful segue. We are we want to bring on a new sponsor for the show. That's Boondockers right. Welcome. Boondockers Welcome. Boondockers Welcome is sort of a matchmaking service, for lack of a better description. Oh, right. And there are all kinds of great places that you can boondock across this beautiful country, and some of those are somebody's farm or somebody's yard most of them are right i think there's all kinds of stuff but there are quite a few that are individuals properties that they just let you boondock on and so boondockers welcome is a great resource to find these places and another way to alleviate the lack of campgrounds being built in this country exactly and we have used Boondockers Welcome yes, and we have. really enjoyed it a lot. It's easy system to work and some great places that we got to see. Yeah, and the, the best thing is every place we stayed at, we did not pay for. That's the whole That's idea. That's a great place. So great there's part. no catches. There's no hidden anything. That's just they are just there to put you in touch with people who are very welcoming. And part of the appeal of that is there are some where you never see the host at all. But there are some where the hosts are retired RVers or just avid RVers who have some extra space and that sort of stuff. So they're great local tour guides. They can tell you the hottest restaurants to go to and all of that. So it's uh, not only a free overnight Sometimes you get some really good advice for stuff to do. Right. And we're working on a spot in our yard. So someday maybe we will welcome boondockers. Well, tomorrow, I I don't know if I told (laughs) you, but the gravel truck and the diggers and all of that stuff are going to be here. Oh, well, maybe next week we'll be welcoming boondockers. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we'll actually even have a dump and water and and 30 amp service. That's right. So uh, there you go. So you might even be able to find... The the Barthel residence on Boondockers welcome in the very near future. And one of the good things is we have a discount for you. So if you use our coupon code, which is going to be on the website, we will give you a a discount on the really affordable membership to Boondockers welcome. So 
different type of boondocking service. And it's as you can tell by who our sponsors are, these are the kinds of things we really like. That's right. So there you go. All right, moving on. There was a lot of discussion recently on the good old interwebs about RV shows. And people were, it's RV show season when we're recording this. I don't know when you're going to be listening. But in fact, we're going to one. And there's a lot of people making a lot of noise on the old interwebs about, ooh, is this a good deal or should I buy it oh. an RV show? And is that the best place to buy something? Well, and, well, here's my perspective having worked in the RV business. An RV show is a very expensive proposition from a dealer standpoint because first, you've got to rent space that's not yours in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you've already got your lot at the dealership. In addition to that, you've got to rent space at the RV show. Right. There's a cost. Then you've got to pay somebody whatever it costs to ship all your RVs. You have to prep them, clean them, and ship them to the RV show. Right. There's your cost. Then you have to hire people if you don't already have enough staff right. to answer questions. And if somebody is a greenhorn about RVs and they're just working there to make some extra money, are you going to get... They're not going to answer your questions no. very well. No, they're not going to know the answer. And so you as a dealership are paying two employees every day, one at, or however many one at the is. dealership and one in the show. Yeah, and you or know, we've many. been to RV shows and there are teams of salespeople there. There are teams of people who just want to sell. Right. So can you make your best deal at an RV show? Maybe. But it's not like there's some big discount that I'm aware of at an RV show that you can't get at a regular dealership. And here's another bit of advice. And when we had Josh, the RV nerd on, he said this too. A dealership is really a relationship place. Right. If you find a great dealership, it's worth it to buy from them because they're also going to be a great dealership when you need repairs. Not if. Right. It's a handmade product. Right win so i think your wisest move is to get your best deal at a dealership that you really find the people care about you and your business and and preferably somewhere fairly local so that when you have that problem you can get to the dealership and drop your unit off or whatever it takes Mm -hmm. go pick up a part and if you're four eight 12 hours away, that's not going to be very convenient. No, because unlike in the auto industry that has franchise dealers and those franchise agreement tell them everything from how many times a day to breathe to <laughs> what color paint to use on the walls. And I mean, it, it's pretty specific. I'm kidding, of course, about the breathe part. But you can go to any dealership. If you buy a Toyota here, you can buy You can go to dealerships all over the U.S. and you'll have this pretty much the same experience however at an rv dealer if you buy your whatever 12 hours away because you saved a thousand dollars well your local dealer is not obligated to work on it that's right they're very different uh agreements with the manufacturers it's still kind of the wild wild west even on the east coast (laughs) (laughs) and and not every dealer even if you're if you found a local dealer who might talk to you If they don't sell the brand of RV that you bought, they probably can't help you anyway. Well, that's true, too. So, anyway, just a little bit of... I'm not saying don't buy at an RV show. I'm just saying 
it's not necessarily where you'll find the best deal and the best deal may not be the best deal anyway but god i love going to rv shows oh, they're so fun though <laughs> so don't not go and we'll put a link in the show notes to john and kathy huggins uh rv handout that they right. created and how to survive an rv show so do go have a great time have a great time look at some rvs you'll get a better selection maybe yeah and then you'll have a better idea of what it is that you really want and yeah all in one day absolutely or two or three wear some good shoes and there might be corn dogs yeah right <laughs> there you go Jeez, Sorry, i'm still uh, dreaming of the fair <laughs> my gosh and that was a while back so well we have a really cool guest on uh this week it's tim vile and this gentleman has rebuilt a number of vintage trailers and traveled all over the u.s in them uh including a teardrop that he's taken cross country with his wife so really cool guest we found him on tin can tourists so we'll talk a little bit about Tin Can Tourists and cool, cool guy. So yeah. without any further ado, here's an interview we recorded with Tim Vile. We would like to welcome Tim Vile to the campground here. Tim has two vintage trailers that he's restored. He has traveled all over the U.S. and Canada with them and is a writer and blogger. And Tim, welcome. Thank you, Tony. Nice to, ha- nice to be with you today. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. And Tim also writes a bit for the Tin Can Tourists, which is a organization specifically for vintage trailer owners. Yeah, that's that's very true. They're nationwide. This year they're celebrating 100 years as an organization. I believe they just had their rally a couple of months ago in, I believe, Dearborn, Michigan, celebrating 100 years, yes. So I guess they were celebrating vintage trailers when they were still new trailers. Hey. Very true. <laughs> and briefly about Tin Can Tourists, and, and we plan to have some people from Tin Can Tourists here as well, but um, what can you tell us a little about that organization and why do you think somebody should join? Well, I think they're the largest vintage trailer owners group in the country, number one. And number two, they've got a great Facebook group and a great website, and it's full of helpful tools, insights, how to pack bearings, how to inspect a vintage trailer before you buy one. Uh, I refer a lot of people to them and their website and their Facebook group. Yeah, they're they're a good organization. And anybody can join from my understanding because before we were doing all of this, we were dreamers and we were <laughs> we were joining and we are still vintage trailer dreamers. Dreamers for sure. But uh I I didn't show Peggy an email that came across my desk this morning, but Oh, what are we buying? Uh you'll see. <laughs> anyway. You are correct. I mean, anybody can join. You don't have to own a vintage trailer. If you have an interest in vintages, you can join, and it's a great tool to forward your, your interest and intrigue. Yes. And now you, speaking of vintage trailers, have two of them, a Teardrop and a Scotty Sportsman. And I've seen pictures of the rebuild on one of them, and you I mean, it's basically sawdust on the floor, practically, is what you started with. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've actually owned three trailers, two of them teardrops. We we used extensively a kit camper uh, replica that we bought about 14 years ago for five years 
decided then to move up to a slightly bigger trailer than a teardrop. So I found in Southern California, this is now about six years ago, uh, an original 64 Scotty Sportsman, which, as you probably know, has a 10-foot box, and with tongue, it's all of 13 feet long. The nice thing about that trailer, it has just about a full double bed in the back, a small dinette up front, and in between a counter with a two-burner stove and a small sink, and relatively has a lot more space and stand-up room if you're five foot eight like my wife is compared to a teardrop, which typically both of ours were four feet long, four feet tall, four feet wide, excuse me, eight <laughs> feet long, four feet tall, four feet wide. So my challenge was when I bought the trailer in Southern Cal and towed it home, the 64 Scotty, I knew it had some dry rot. When I got it home in full daylight and had some time to look at it, I discovered it had about 10 times more dry rot than I ever thought it had. So that that became then three years somewhat depressingly stored in my garage. And in 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 that time, somewhat irritated that now I'd sold my usable teardrop, I found the 58 Scotty teardrop, which is... Uh, was rebuilt by a West Virginia shop teacher, not by me. Beautifully done. A West Virginia shop teacher in, a, I think, 2011. Found it on eBay just prior to a trip back to Gettysburg to bike the battlefield and back to CNO Canal. So we drove back, purchased it, then hauled it on to Gettysburg and on to the East Coast. And, and we've used that little Scotty 58 teardrop probably about 60,000 miles across country three wow. times. I mean, up into the maritime provinces on one of those long trips, I've seen much of the U.S. and a good part of Canada with that little teardrop. Oh, that's that's impressive. Then the pictures of the Scotty SU restored, that you restored, man, it, it, was, it was in bad shape. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so kudos to you for bringing it back to life. But Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's testimony to those old trailers. They're built pretty, pretty solidly to hold together despite that much bad wood yeah. and dry rot inside. To have I that mean, much and not have realized it without tearing it apart. That's to, well, to know my, that it held my up. My recommendation now to people looking at vintage trailers is, if you're not into construction, take somebody with you that is. Take an ice pick as an example to do a little probing when you see soft wood underneath, that kind of thing, and look a lot more extensively at a trailer before you buy than I did. So it turns out we rebuilt it from the frame up, uh, and it turned out quite nicely, but I would not want to do that again. If you're <laughs> 30, 30 or 40, not so hard. If you're in your late 60s as I was, that was more work than I'd want to do again. Okay. Yeah, but but it looks like you did a super job, yeah. so hats off well, to thank you. you. Um, I'm real happy it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and it's when you look at that floor plan, it's amazing what they were able to get in that size trailer. It's mm-hmm. good use of space. Yeah, very true. We, we actually, when we rebuild it, we added six inches to the width of the bed in the back, so it's virtually a full double, which it wasn't quite. And then we did that by cutting six inches off the wardrobe cabinet in the center and off the 
sink and uh, stove cabinet on the other side. So we lost a little bit of counter space. Didn't have much to begin with. <laughs> but it still, it still has a dinette that'll seat four people snugly in the front and makes into another bed for an adult or a couple of kids. Perfect, though, for a couple like my wife and I for traveling around yeah. the country. Yeah, and, and light and easily... You know, you can camp almost anywhere, no slides. It's relatively simple, but has all the bare necessities. Well, and the nice thing about it, we tow it with a Ford Escape uh, turbocharged four-cylinder, and I can get 20 miles a gallon towing it, which is about double or better what most people get towing bigger trailers. Yeah, we have a 19-foot travel trailer that we tow with a V6 Nissan truck, and eh, 11 miles per gallon is about <laughs> average for us, so... Yeah, I've got to nurse it to get 20, but in the flats, anyway, I can get about 20, and I appreciate that. Huh, yeah. that's good mileage. And so as you're going around and seeing things, uh, you have written extensively in blogs and, and for other people uh, stories of great places to go and things to see. And so I was wondering, uh, do you have any favorites? Well, keep in mind the benefit to my wife and I, we've been retired about six and a half years we had decided to see a lot of the U.S. and Canada by vehicle rather than peg all our trips to Europe and South Africa and that kind of thing, uh, partly being cheaper to do it by vehicle when you can drive. Right. So in the meantime, I'd, I'd worked for newspapers way back when I was a young fellow for 20 years on the ad side, but I'd started upon retirement, I started a personal travel blog I knew a few of the editors at the local paper where I had once worked. Realized I had a couple of great travel stories like Yellowstone Park. Uh, shared those with them. And since I've done that, I've become the travel writer for the Stockton newspaper for the past six-plus years now. So I'm always on the lookout for good places to tour, whether it's regionally or across the U.S. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of national parks and national monuments, so that, that factors into a lot of our trips, but not all of them. That's pretty cool. And I've you're here on the West Coast with me, basically. We're not I, that far apart. Any favorite hot spots that people absolutely have to see that might be little hidden gems or surprises? Uh, well, Anza Borrego State Park, you know, to the... What would that be? It'd be the west side of Salton Sea, which is also an intriguing area, is yeah. one of our favorites. That this not a national park. Of course, the nine national parks of California always rank high in my book, and I have yet to get by boat over to Channel Islands, but I need to do that pretty soon. <laughs> we actually uh, have, but I, we we didn't bring our trailer. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the sleeper parks, though, as far as national parks, Death Valley, which is perfect place to go in January, February, March, uh, Joshua Tree, the same way, you know, both of them less visited and a little bit more secluded than the known quantities like Yosemite or Sequoia. Mm -hmm. Lassen National Park, kind of like a Yellowstone, small version of Yellowstone National Park, one of our favorites. We've been up to Redwoods National and State Parks a couple of times. We need to get back and see more of that. You know, it's it's interesting that you mention Anza Borrego and some of the other deserts. Peggy is an avid <laughs> fan of the desert, such that we even have a desert tortoise. And we have done uh. some desert camping. And, boy, it's, people think it's this barren, desolate 
place, but that's not the case at all. Especially in the springtime. The desert is just yeah. my favorite, very, my favorite very place. True. We were in Death Valley, I think it was two years ago, right at the end of the big bloom, and it was just stunning. And I've been there a couple more times, not quite so much into the spring bloom, but I've, Death Valley is a favorite. Of course, Rhyolite, that old abandoned uh, yeah. gold rush, silver mining city up on the far east side of the park, that's always a treasure. And and I think you mentioned Anza Borrego, Tony. Uh, the thing that got me hooked on Anza Borrego before I found Anza Borrego was the Salton Sea, which we discovered on a couple trips heading down to Yuma. Uh, and that's that's such an interesting area in its own right, an ecological disaster from when the California Irrigation Company decided to irrigate the Imperial Valley and it went wrong and the Colorado <laughs> River flooded for 18 months and created that huge inland lake. Uh, it's just ghost towns on both east and west sides of what once was going to be a huge resort community yeah. failed and the water quality started going weird on them. It's got some incredibly ridiculous history. <laughs> yeah. But Every yeah. time we get down there, it seems a little stranger than it did the yeah, previous. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother lived at one of the one of the parks there for a few years, and uh-huh. so we got to spend a lot of time down there. <laughs> big, big dreams that went south in the seventies yes. when those two yeah. big storms raised the lake level about twelve or fourteen feet and flooded all the towns around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> but desert camping is is really unusual in that you you don't realize how much the desert cools off at nighttime right and just it it's just super quiet in fact the first time i ever camped in the desert i had predominantly lived in the city and i wasn't used to the quiet at night he didn't like it at all no. <laughs> he wanted to know where the lights and sounds were yeah it's so i well, mean it is just absolutely silent and i just kept telling him to be quiet and enjoy it <laughs> that's one of the nice things about california it's got desert parks like anza borrego or joshua tree or death valley that you can go to in the january and february and you can also camp along the coasts be it north coast or south coast of California or even Oregon in March and April. And hence, we've got 12 months touring with trailers in right. this part of the world. Right. That's one of the great things, you know, living in California. And, and when we were in Southern California, but even now that we're in Northern California, people say, oh, when do you winterize? When do you stop camping? I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, in summer, when where we we live in Lake County, and in summer it gets just hot as blue blazes. So two hours away is the coast where you you're still happy that you didn't pack away your sweaters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. In fact, we're heading up to Yosemite here on Sunday for five days, and it'll be chilly at night, I think, but it'll probably be seventy-five or eighty degrees daytimes, and that's hard to beat for the latter part of September, middle for, of September, I guess. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And Yosemite tends to be fairly crowded. I personally prefer the places that are a little less so, but you can't beat how beautiful that place is. We're the same. Uh, We had to book six months out to get this five-day piece in uh, next week, starting on Monday, I guess, or Sunday evening, I guess. 
Uh, if you get back there in October, November, they still have the, the big campground in the valley open, and you can find thins out considerably once you get into November, December, January, although you can occasionally have snow flurries mm-hmm. when you that time of the year. But you can also go up to, like, Tuolumne Meadows, even in the summertime, and find relatively uncrowded camping or, or the Forest Service campgrounds just beyond Yosemite and Highway 120 headed east. And do you prefer boondocking or campgrounds or any preference on your end? Believe it or not, my wife, I would, our only boondocking has been a couple of stops at truck stops or rest areas. My wife is a little skittish about camping on Forest Service roads. We've done that one time. She didn't sleep well. I think her worries are unfounded, but I haven't convinced her of that. (laughs) So... So since we do most of our camping in the West, I favor federal campgrounds like Forest Service or BLM because we're in our, now we're in our 70s, we've got that lifetime federal senior pass, which gets us half price. So you find campgrounds, you're paying at half price, 12 or $14. I don't mind paying 12 or $14 for decent campgrounds. No, not at all. That's a super deal. Yeah. So, so we may get into a little bit more boondocking in future couple of years, but I still got to work my wife on that idea. <laughs> well, it's uh, sometimes it's just better to go with the flow. You know, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other reason I'm holding on to that that '58 Scotty rebuilt trailer, it's in nice shape. Uh, I've been working on my wife, and I haven't cracked her. her uh, <laughs> veneer yet but i'd love to take the in in inland ferries up the coast of british columbia oh wow trailer and our smallest we got a four-cylinder ford focus five speed that we can tow that teardrop with i'd love to haul it all the way up to anchorage or fairbanks and then drive back me yeah another another long trip with the teardrop she doesn't seem to like that idea we did nine (laughs) weeks crossing Canada and down the East Coast and back along Highway 50 about three summers ago. And nine weeks in a tiny teardrop is pushing our... That's a long, long time. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's when time. you know that you, you, are, you either are or are not good traveling companions. Right. When, when you can endure that long in a trailer of that size, then <laughs> you know you've, you've met the right person. Yeah. And and the the difference between boondocking and full service parks is less important to you guys because you don't really need the sewer hookup or the even the I, I don't know um not that familiar unfortunately but I see that you had the cartridge toilet but you might not even need water hookups so true just true. just kind of having the the uh, kind of people around is that where she's more comfortable not being yeah, kind of in the middle of that's nowhere where her discomfort comes yeah. up being alone out in the middle of nowhere where i think it's a good idea and i think i think historically you'll find that's probably the safest place to camp as opposed to occupied campgrounds where people can get rowdy and craze and that kind of stuff but i yeah. haven't convinced her of that yeah we we do like campgrounds that have some kind of toilet facilities. And in our 64, Scotty, we did build in a porta potty, but it's kind of like 
emergency hurricane use only. So in <laughs> several years, we've yet to use that port of john but we ah. could if we had to. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. A few weeks ago, we were at a campground, and there's a lot of campgrounds now are saying if your rig is 10 years old or older that they prefer you go somewhere else and uh, there was a somebody who picked up a trailer for 500 bucks it was one of those tent trailers three three of the four lifts were still working the fourth they used a broom pole (laughs) and the whole weekend they were sharing their musical taste with the rest of the campground and it was just uh, it really made me wish that that they were boondocking yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were having fun with our friends, but we wish they had been somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole campground well, and, did. And in our, in our trips across the country, again, maybe I'm just a throwback to my parents who camped, who got me west in 1963 as a kid in, with my mom towing a Nimrod tent trailer to west from Ohio where I grew up. We were fans of national parks, forest service campgrounds, BLM, and state parks. So if you if you camp in those locations, none of them ever reject older campers, which is right. nice. Right. We've we've done a few nights in private campgrounds. We've not run into one yet that that would reject a an old teardrop if if i found one like that it wouldn't wouldn't mind moving on anyway yeah. that's what i always say if they don't want me then i don't want what am i trying to say yeah then i don't want to stay there yeah well, I we mean, have stayed in a couple of you know when we were trying to be near family on vacation or something and in some of those parks that i'm sure they have that rule and you know it, it's we stayed there because we were close to family not because we liked that sort of a park and and they were a parking lot with a lawn there was nothing about them that made them extraordinary except the nightly fee yeah (laughs) yeah so even even when we cross the country with our teardrop we've looked steadily at either canadian national parks provincial parks state parks U.S. National Parks, Forest Service, when you can find it, and we've not had a problem. Any advice to people who might be thinking, oh, I'd love to I'd love to follow your path? But first of all, check out your blogs, which we'll have a link to your blogs on our webpage. Sure. How about if somebody's looking for a cool vintage trailer, any words of wisdom from someone who's seen them from the inside and out? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'm, I'm going to, my next column, I think a week from now is going to be on tips and suggestions on buying a small trailer, whether it's a little new trailer or a several year old trailer or a vintage trailer, but you asked about vintage. Uh, I, I personally think vintage number one, they're cool. So you get lots of attention in campgrounds. Most campers want to see what it looks like outside and inside. So you're, you're popular in campgrounds with a vintage. And secondly, if you buy right, uh, you can camp in a two years or four years or six years and decide, well, may you want to move on. You can probably sell it for more than what you paid for it, which you can't do if you buy a newer trailer. True. So I like that aspect of it too. And the smaller ones like Scotty's and some of the smaller Shasta's, et cetera, as you already mentioned, are lightweight, have a smaller wind profile, and hence you can get pretty good gas mileage towing them. But if you're buying vintage, I would look seriously for one that somebody with talent has rebuilt in recent years or upgraded in recent years. 
uh, unless you're a real handy person and you want a several month or several year project, don't <laughs> buy one. You think you're going to have to tear down to the frame or repair lots of roof rot and that kind of thing. Cause they're, we did it. Uh, fortunately, I had a couple of woodworking pals to help me out here and there, and my wife kept pressing me and helping out, and hence we did get it done. But it took about two years spread over that amount of time, and I wouldn't want to do it again. Uh, if you're looking at newer trailers, I'm a fan of looking for a trailer that's two years or four years or six years old because you can find a whole bunch of really cool small trailers that are a couple of years old that you might pay only about half of what they did when they were new a few yeah. years earlier. It's amazing what they can get into space of 13 foot like ours or 18 or 22 foot trailers, uh, including trailers that are 20 feet long that'll sleep comfortably like six adults. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's, there's no wrong style of camping, but there's certainly different styles of camping. That's a good point. That is a good point. So, well, Tim, thank you very much for your time today. We we really appreciate getting to know you, and we'll, uh, of course, follow your blogs and suggest sure. that our listeners do as well. And, and Tony, for anybody listening, if, if they have insomnia some night and they follow that blog listing you'll post up, they can find about 300 of my articles that are filed if they look carefully in the upper right-hand corner okay. by parts of the country, like eastern... Oh, that's uh, me. The coast, uh, the southern, southeastern states, western Canada, eastern Canada, even some European trips we've written about are in there, Europe, filed by parts of the world or part of the country. Yeah, I, I lost quite a bit of time and, and <laughs> happy to have done so reading your blogs. They're very well written and uh, I, I really enjoyed them, so... Well, thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you too. That was a fun trip with Tim Vile. Yeah, he's a cool guy. And he is. Imagine, you know, rebuilding those trailers and all. It's pretty impressive. Also impressive is something we like to take with us to campgrounds, and that's our grub sticks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have eaten a lot of grub stick food lately. <laughs> yes, we have. Well, we've the... been, luckily, luckily, we've been able to camp quite a bit in the past couple of months. Um, having seen some of the Grubstick recipes that they have on their website and dying to try them, we did. We loved it. We've had probably I've eaten more probably hash browns <laughs> in the past month than I have in the past two years. Yeah, there's a hash brown breakfast, and we made it for our entire little group that we went camping on with two recently. Trips. Yeah, on two trips, and <laughs> it was a big hit. So yeah. we have eaten quite a bit of that. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can make with your grub sticks. And as with all of the people who help support this show, there's a coupon code in our partners page. So That's right. we will put a link to that. But you can get a discount if you want to get a grub stick set for yourself. And uh, we really dig ours. Yeah, and then when you're on that website, you can see their videos and get inspired with some of those recipes. Absolutely. And make you hungry. And save some money. <laughs> when we didn't have our grub sticks was the last time we went to beautiful Central California and San Luis Obispo. No, that was pre-grub stick days. So San Luis Obispo is a, a place in Central California that I have been to lots and lots and lots of times, uh, including... No, what was it about four or five months ago when we went right it was january oh oh yeah you're so. right yeah so we'll that was probably nine, but yeah you're right we'll <laughs> probably go again 
uh, on our way back to Quartzsite this year. Yeah. That's and, a, it's uh, a good stop. It's a good central place. Yeah, there's so much to do there. That is, uh, San Luis Obispo and the surrounds are just this cool kind of college vibe town that I just dig, but there's a lot of historic architecture and yes. a lot of cool stuff to do. I, I really like it. As typical with most college towns, the parking is kind of eh, but <laughs> c'est la vie. But we did stay at the KOA there in right? San Luis Obispo. And it was kind of interesting. It's kind of the KOA under the freeway. (laughs) But at least we had a place to park. That was the smallest campsite I have ever (laughs) been in. Like, it, our trailer has no slides, and if we did, we would we not be able, able to. We would have been able to use them. Yeah, at least in the spot that we were in. But that's okay. And it was clean and comfortable, typical KOA. It was nicely maintained. San Luis Obispo is a great walking town. Lots of little shops, yeah. lots of things to see and do, lots of food. Um, one of the things you'll come across is an entire alleyway where the kids, because it's there by Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and the kids at the school have stuck their gum on the wall of this alleyway for years yeah. and years. Yeah. It's famous. Probably not just the kids. No. Probably a lot of tourists have Okay, I've gum done it too. too. I bought what? gum and just did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, it's the gum wall. It's the gum wall. You got to do it. Yep. So you can see all kinds of chewing gum from over the years. <laughs> but there's also attractive things to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are there's the Mission San Luis Obispo over there. Right. And that's nice. Again, we talked about the talked California about mission, missions last week. Yes, yeah. and yes we did. We must be on a mission. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, that's the first pun. Boing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a great California mission there. Um one of my favorite things is the farmers markets on Thursday afternoons. Mm. They have, of course, typical farmers market supplies, and it's a it's in an agricultural area, so right. there is some great grub you can get there, including you know there's restaurants and such. But what I like is just the atmosphere. There's music and it's lively, and it's not just a sleepy farmers market. It's just kind of a jumping thing place to be on thursday evenings yeah the vegetables are hot <laughs> <laughs> so farmer's market is definitely something to do um what if you get hungry though well you'll have to what go if you get hungry for something other than fresh vegetables you will have to go down the road to shell beach is it shell beach mm-hmm. and I always think of it as just all San Luis Obispo, but McClintock's Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Man, their steaks are outstanding. And I've heard recently someone said the McClintock's in San Luis Obispo proper is not that great. I don't know. I've only eaten We've at only the been one. to the one. Yeah, and Shell Beach, which is the original one. And one of the things, if you are dining with somebody who doesn't know any better, <laughs> ask them for this special water pour. That's right. And uh, what they do is they put a glass of water on that person's head, and then the server comes up behind them. With stands the, on a chair. Stands on a chair with a blindfold on and pours. Holds, holds the water pitcher at about the server's head level, yeah. so it's three or four feet above the diner's head level. And pours the water into the glass on their head. And we have a video of that that you'll see on this on the show notes page. They're but actually quite good at it. Yeah. 
Well, he only barely missed on me. <laughs> so that's... I don't know if I'd want to be there on training day. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, you just bring your shampoo and your bing, bang, boom. That's you're, right. You're set. Clean hair. Another cool thing in San Luis Obispo is the Railroad Museum. They have a little railroad museum there. Of course. You I, I, like a railroad yeah, museum? I know, right. You find a railroad museum and a brewery, and I'm just... And I'm a steakhouse. Set. He might as well yeah, just move in. Absolutely. Well, I actually, <laughs> back in my younger days, I actually considered living I in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. I like it that much. So, but I didn't. At that well. time, it was too out of my price range, and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do for a living. <laughs> I still haven't figured out what I'm doing for a living. So, there then you it's go. probably still out of your price range. Probably. <laughs> There's the Hearst Castle. Yeah. And that's a that's a fascinating place. The Hearst Castle was the home of William Randolph Hearst, and it was designed by Julia Morgan. And it's just a, a, a amazing architecture, a, an over-the-top, wonderful, beautiful place that he lived. And it's um, now a tour, of course. You can tour the house. You can tour some of the the property. They have, I think, still have zebras running around because he imported them in because he wanted them on yeah. his property, and now they're just running wild on his acreage. Um, but it's a really, there's a, you can do kind of a, a tour of the, not a tour, you can do a visit to the visitor center uh, if you don't have time for the tour, but if you have time, go in and take the tour. It's fantastic. Yeah, you take this bus. It's way up at the top of this hill, and you take this bus up, and then there's different tours you can take. Make sure you do a tour that includes the pool if if that's an option. Oh, yeah. The pool. The whole thing is just ridiculously ornate. It's, it's this monster house that's ridiculously ornate, and there's controversy about it because he pillaged a lot of stuff out of <laughs> European churches and castles uh, at the time it was built, I think in the 20s. And it's remarkable that Julia Morgan designed it because in those days, I think she was among the first female architects. I, I believe that's and true. Yeah. It's amazing that you know she got a job to do that. There's actually a house up Julia here. Julia Morgan House here in Lake County. That's right. That's kind of cool. On private, a private island in the lake. Yep. Built in the 20s, and apparently not much has changed since then on that <laughs> island. That's, we haven't gone. It's an invitation-only place. But anyway, who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's like, hello, welcome to the Ramble Hour. <laughs> but yeah, you, you definitely want to go to Hearst Castle. It is, it is an absolute California landmark. Visit San Luis Obispo and, and just walk around. Bring your walking shoes and enjoy yourself. It's a, it's a neat place to see you don't want to forget about santa maria though santa maria well that is where santa maria tri-tip barbecue barbecue tri-tip barbecue there you can you can when you're there you can buy the spice and make your own santa maria yes. tri-tip but phew, man to just go there like the whole town smells like barbecue it's fantastic <laughs> well on sundays oh just on sundays yeah. So so here's the secret. If you want to make your own Santa Maria barbecue, I tried and tried for years when I lived in L.A., and it never really was right until I moved up here and I actually found a great butcher. Mm -hmm. And so Kenny, our local butcher, he will sell you tri-tip with the fat cap still on it. Yes. And so you season the tri-tip 
with that fat cap on, and that kind of moistens up it the tri-tip. It keeps everything moist so it doesn't cook dry it out. low and slow. And, oh, man, that's the difference right there. So I've soaked it in beer. I've done different spices. I've, I've cooked more tri-tip than I than any one person should. <laughs> And that's the secret. Get it with the fat cap. And of course, get the good stuff. Don't, right. don't go don't to the... Don't cheap out. Yeah. And then last but not least, another wacky place in San Luis Obispo is the Madonna Inn. Oh, that place. Talk about ornate and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Over so, the top. <laughs> so a Swiss contractor named Alex Madonna built this thing. And every room has its own crazy theme. Yep. Which it's, is and it's built into the mountainside. So yeah. some of the rooms have walls that are not finished, just blasted out rock. They're like big bouldery rough walls. Uh, and of course those things are like the caveman room. <laughs> I think that's all created. You I think I almost certain that it is, yeah. But I don't uh, know. Fooled me. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there you go. He did a good job. But there's all these themed rooms and they're anything from mild to wild, and that was actually Part of the inspiration for the B&B that we That's right. had. The themed rooms at the Madonna Inn were what made them have themed rooms at the at Featherbed, Featherbed Railroad. Railroad. I, I can't personally attest to this, but isn't there something exciting about the men's room? Yes. The men's room is just, you have to go and see it. It's uh, it's just ridiculously ornate. I mean, that, there's tons of videos online. Go and, go and look there. Uh, Isn't it, it like with giant waterfall? It's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's just crazy ornate. The whole thing is just ornate and over the top and all of that. So it it's a absolute California landmark and something to something see when to you're see. in San Luis Obispo. We stayed there. We did in the on, on our, our honeymoon. honeymoon. Yeah, in the Daisy May Daisy room. Daisy May. Daisy May. So. It was it was pretty cool. There was a <laughs> one of the things I remember from that. Josh, if you're listening, you're going to get a kick out of this. But when you go to the bathroom, you turn the handles for the sink, <laughs> and you hear this water. It's like you're like what in the Where's wide wide the world of sports? And then it comes down a waterfall. That's right. So that was kind of cool. A hot side and a cold side. Yeah, yeah. But Mixes there was the also a, a a rock shower yeah that was cool. It was like too. a waterfall shower that was pretty fun yeah daisy may and a real in those days this this had to have changed since then but we had a tube tv we didn't turn it on <laughs> but it was just like wow i haven't seen one of those in a while i don't know why i remember that. i don't know why you remember that you but really like tv well no, it's just so weird it was like well you wow, used to really like TV. i did a tube tv <laughs> so anyway that's that's some stuff to do in uh, San Luis Obispo. So if you go, let us know. Share your pictures. Yeah, we want to see it. We, we appreciate you coming on the journey with us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of our show. You can do that on whatever tool you enjoy getting podcasts that's on. Right. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those, all those things. On behalf of Peggy and myself, we'd like to thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you telling your friends. And don't forget to go and join up with us on the Facebook group. Just check us out on our website. And from there, you can launch off onto Facebook and all the other places. Till next week. Happy, happy camping. camping. We hope you enjoyed this week's adventure. Time to get out on your own journey. But don't forget to leave the review on your favorite podcast app. 
and visit StresslessCamping.com for photos, stories, an RV calendar, and more. I'm Stressless Camper Larry Richardson wishing you happy camping. <laughs>